What's up, everybody? Michael Johnson here with the Business Choreography Podcast, and I am so excited that you joined me today because today we have a very special guest. Today we have Michael Levin, and you guys are going to have your socks knocked right off. Today, I'm going to tell you, well, let me tell you a little bit about Michael. Michael is a New York Times bestselling author and ghostwriter. Michael's written, edited, published, or consulted on more than a thousand books. Michael's own books have been published by Simon & Schuster, Random House, Penguin, and a variety of other top publishers. And he has written for the New York Times, The Wall Street Journal, HuffPost, LA Times, Boston Globe, and many other top outlets. His ghostwriting clients include Boeing and Ford CEO Alan Mulley, Baseball Hall of Fame, uh, Dave Winfield, motivational speaker Zig Ziglar, NFL legend Pat Summerall, Summerall, and countless other leaders in business, sports, broadcasting, real estate, finance, insurance, and many other fields. Guys, we are so dang lucky to have Michael here with us, and I can't wait to share him with you. So let's cue the intro, and we'll jump right in. Listen, there's a lot to learn when growing and scaling your business. That's why we created the Business Choreography Podcast, where we talk about choreographing your marketing, operations, and sales into dynamic systems that increase your revenue and your impact. We'll explore solid business principles and discuss all things that make businesses dance to success with clarity. We'll help you figure out where the holes are in your business and what you can do to fix them. Think of us as your official business choreographers, aka your insider growth strategists. Remember, your choreography matters. Welcome to the Business Choreography Podcast. Michael, welcome to the show. So exciting to have you here today. Thanks for joining us. Michael, it's a privilege. Thank you for taking the time with me. Absolutely. Well, I'm excited to jump in. There's so much cool stuff to talk about, and you have so many cool topics that we can discuss, but... I am sure as we go, we'll dig right into those. I I love starting with backstory. I want people to know who you are and how you got here and the crazy winding road that I know <laughs> is always the case to get to where we're at. So why don't you start back as far as you'd like and and kind of lead us to this point? Okay. Well, I was uh, eight pounds, six ounces uh, when I was born. <laughs> and uh, How much time do we have? I I, I, uh, I always knew I wanted to be a writer, to write books, to love books, always loved books, still love books. Uh, couldn't figure out how to make a living writing books, went to law school. Uh, that was okay. Went to two law firms. They didn't think I was okay. Uh, all but <laughs> fired from the first one, fired from the second one, sold three novels to Simon & Schuster while I was still in my 20s. Couldn't wow. agree on terms. Yeah, which was pretty cool. Couldn't agree on terms. It was really cool. Couldn't agree on terms for the fourth. Uh, ran out of money. Starving writer. On heating assistance. Didn't like it. Met a mentor. Uh, he was my mentor for 29 years. He showed me how to start a business. He said, you know, you creative people cannot do your best work if you don't know how you're going to put food on the table or pay your rent. And the, the business was offering writing classes. I rented space from my yoga instructor and then in a church in downtown Boston. And uh, the classes filled and people said, consult with me. And then they said, write it for me. And here we are 30 something years later and a thousand books later. And that is pretty much it in a nutshell. So Wow. I, I, I got to hang on to my seat here for just a second. <laughs> it's more fun in the telling than it was in the doing. <laughs> I'm sure it was. I'm sure it was. And well, I think that's the case. And and I think, you know, as you went through that, you mentioned some of the, the ups and some of the downs of it all. And, uh, and I love that. I, I think that so many of us experience these crazy twists and turns 
from where we thought we were going. And when you were growing up, did you, did you think you were going to be a writer? Is that like, Hey, I want to be, that's, that's what I'm going to do. Or was it something else completely? There was nothing else. There's never been anything else. When I got to college, they had a visiting writer and I thought, Oh my gosh, you can teach writing. That's cool too. I want to do that. So it's been, and then I've, and I've taught at UCLA and NYU and privately and around the country and around the world. So, so, but it's all about books. It's all, I'm, I'm a total book nerd. I love books. I love people. I love ideas. I love words. I love sentences. So, you know, I'm in the right place. I'm in the right wow. place. Holy cow. Well, I mean, you said you found a mentor. Do, do you feel like they found you or that you found them? How did oh, that, that story go? That's a great question. I think that he says he saw, he says he saw something in me of the, the, that I could be a good entrepreneur. And, and I was good and broke at the time. So I didn't know, you know, I didn't know what he was talking about, but I walked where he told me to walk so I wouldn't blow up. I did, I did everything he told me. I never questioned anything. And at one point, we were talking about a company that had grown really quickly, and and really kind of nearly destroyed itself. And he said something that I found really revealing. He said, "I never let you grow that fast." I'm like, "What are you talking about?" He he said, "I never let you grow that fast because I wanted you to grow kind of smoothly instead of you know." Uh, uh, too quickly because that because too much growth too soon can kill you, and right. I was like, wow, I had no idea. So I, I would have if it had been a little bit faster, I guess that would have been okay. But you know, it all works out, and that's the key thing. You just have to realize that if you hang in there long enough, it's going to work out. Uh, right. Uh, well, that's the key, right? Is just being able to to hang in there. And I I love that. You know, you you mentioned not him not letting you grow too fast too soon. And and also I think the piece that really stood out to me there is that that you never question, you just did what they told you. And yeah. and that is a huge thing. And I feel like in today's day, I mean we I feel like we've passed the information age. Now we're we're it seems as though we're squarely in the age of insight. It's your experience, it's the things that you've done combined with the information. But you can get information, it's a dime a dozen from anywhere. And one of my favorite authors, past author, authors, was Wallace Waddles. And he did The Science of Getting Rich and yes, many others. Big fan. And he said, and, and in his books, he'll oftentimes say straight away, if you're going to do this, just listen to this and do this. Don't get distracted. Don't go over here. Don't go over there. And so it's really cool to hear that that you were able to do that with one mentor because I feel like a lot of people – get sidetracked and get this shiny object syndrome. Yeah, I, I have some of that. And I've tried a bunch of things over the years and they've all netted zero dollars. <laughs> so I just, you know, when I stick to my knitting, which is, which is ghostwriting books, I do fine. And when I, when I, when I go off and freelance and have ideas, uh, I, you know, about 15 years ago, I got into a coaching program for entrepreneurs called strategic coach. And it's been incredibly helpful to me. And my first day, I said, what's the difference between the material you teach us at the lowest level and the people at the millionaire level in the class? This is 15 years ago. And she said, oh, the material is exactly the same. The difference is that the people at our higher levels do everything we say immediately, whereas the people at the lower levels argue with it, do half, do a little bit, uh, you know, get sidetracked. So I said, wow, then I'm just, I'll just do everything here that I heard that, uh, that, 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 my, that Bob told me, uh, <laughs> you know. And, and uh, it's like, why are you paying smart people if you're not doing what they say? So, you know, why, why pay them? That's it. Yeah. And I mean, I, I re that 
that makes me remember a story of Henry Ford being uh, on trial for libel. Yeah. And, you know, they said, you're, you're an idiot. You don't really know any of these things. He's like, I don't have to know them. I have a whole team of people that know them. And yeah. it's about leveraging that experience. And I, I think that's really important. You know, one of the things I wanted to ask you about is, you know, with all this ghostwriting and all the writing that you do, you love it. I know a lot of people don't like it. I know that I was taught through school how bad of a writer I was. Yeah. Uh, instead of trying to bring out my ability to do it, I was always told that I wasn't good at it. And so I, I naturally <laughs> went <laughs> went the other direction as much as I could. But I found out later now in my life that I actually am not that bad at it. And so <laughs> I've just had some mentors that have come back like you at, that have said, hey, you're you're you should actually do that more. You're, you're better than you think. Mm. And that leads me to the next question is why should business people have their own books? What, what's the, why do you think that that's the case? Yeah, sure. Just to, just to address the, the, the point you just made. Um, many people have had this experience uh, in third grade. They turn in a story to the teacher and they think they did a really great job and it comes back swimming in red ink. And the teacher was just trying to help them improve their grammar but the kid, the kid took away uh, the lesson, I cannot write. I'm a bad writer. Right. And we take that into adulthood. And, and frankly, that's how I make a living because a lot of people feel that way. But <laughs> every business person needs a book the same way every person in his or her organization needs a business card. Right. Because you have to be able to differentiate yourself. You have to be able to decommoditize yourself. And you have to be able to show what makes you unique. Uh, special, what your ideas are, what your experience is, so that you can command the, uh, the the premium pricing and attention and thought leadership and authority that you deserve. Uh, buyers have more choices than ever, thanks to the internet. And, and that turns everybody into a commodity. Commodities are judged primarily by price. So right. how do you avoid the commodity trap? There's nothing that creates a sense of aura and mystique about you uh, uh, compared with a book. So that's the short answer. I love that. And, you know, in today's world, it's so much easier to self-publish. And yet you've had such a grand history with actual publishers. I think that growing up in the crossover into the internet world and the, the digital age, there's a lot of people out there that think about a book and they think, oh, I'm never going to get published by Random House or penguin or any of these huge publishers they're they're never going to put any attention to me is that necessary these days yeah it's a very important point the short answer is you don't need new york and new york doesn't want you uh <laughs> you know let's be blunt new york is interested in you if you are prince harry right. if you are uh megan markle if you are oprah if you are michelle obama if you're none of those people new york is a star system today they're no longer interested in the quality of your content. All they care about is the marketing plan. How many keynotes are you? Are you doing 50 keynotes in top places a year? Are you the baby doctor on the Today Show? Do you have a million people following you on social media? And I don't mean 30,000. I mean a million. If right. you cannot check all those three boxes, New York doesn't want you. If right. you're using New York to build your brand, they're going to see right through that. If you're using New York because you want a book so that you can uh, uh, sell your services and have thought leadership, they don't care about you. All they care about is selling copies of books and business people don't need to sell books. I always tell my client, be a best earning author, not necessarily a best selling author, because a best earning author is somebody who's making money 
by getting new deals, new money under uh, uh, under management, new insurance thing, new insurance clients. Uh, you're getting your ideas out into the world. You're getting speaking and all things. Give your book away. Put it on your uh, website as a free PDF download in exchange for an email address. And uh, you know, don't worry about making six bucks or twelve bucks on a book. Uh, think about how much you're going to benefit when you can have the book is the is, as the ultimate leave behind with your prospect. So your prospect can sell you to his or her co-decision makers uh, when uh, everybody's websites look exactly alike, but yours is the one with the with the book cover on it and the book cover features your smiling face. Isn't that nice? Isn't that fun? No more commodity trap. And then you get the premium pricing and attention and authority you deserve. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I've heard and been privileged enough to have a ghostwriter for uh, one of my books as well. But I know that the concept and the term isn't as um, clear to a lot of people out there. Talk to me about a, being a ghostwriter and what it's about and how it works and that it's nothing to be afraid of. <laughs> yeah, it's a great point. It's not about uh, taking your stuff and, 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 and filtering it and changing it and making it mine or something like that. I always say if the book sounds like me, I failed. It's, right. it's, it's my responsibility to, uh, before I even write a word, to listen to what makes you unique? What, what do you like to think about? How do you solve problems for people? Who is your real market? Who is your real niche audience? It may not be who you think it is, and it may be different tomorrow from who it is today. So who do you want it to be? Let's write your book specifically to that audience. So my first responsibility is not to think about what's the content of this book. It's to think about who is the audience? Where are they? Where are they now? And how are we trying to influence them to change their thinking or to uh, to bring in the author uh, in some sort of leadership or professional role. And when you start with the question of who's the audience, well, you know, any anybody listening to this podcast could write 12 different books starting right this minute. The question becomes, what about CPR, which doesn't mean helping the unconscious person. It means cash in your pocket right now. That's my version of CPR. I love it. It was, you know, which book is going to put cash in your pocket right now? That's the book that is going to solve the problem that you like to solve for the audience whom you like to serve. So let's start with that. Then we'll create the table of contents. That takes me an hour of your time. Then I go off and do it and comes back to you a day or two later. Then I need an hour of your time per chapter. I like to say, I only work with people who are too busy to talk to me. If you're that busy, uh, you, you you need a book, but you don't have the time to write. Even if you like writing, it's not the highest and best use of your time. Right. And if you don't like it, you it's surely not. And if you give me an hour a week and everybody's got an hour a week for something important, 12 to 15 pages of book in your hands within two weeks of the call. You can tell me I like this. I hated that. Do more of this. Do less of that. And, uh, and, and, and 10, 12 weeks later, we have a draft done. Uh, you, it's all, you, I have a, I have a course where I teach people how to do books without me and that's fine. So if you really want to do it yourself, I can show you how, and you still don't have to write a word with that approach. Main thing is it's about the book sounding like you, it's your ideas. I'm just here to disseminate your ideas in your voice with your word choices, with your syntax. So there's not a soul on the planet, including your spouse or partner or best friend, or business partner who is ever going to think that, yeah, help with the book. I am. Right. That means I'm invisible. I love it. I love it. You know, I'm a huge proponent of the human element that art 
has in it. And that's my disclaimer to the next question. Uh, because, I know where you're going, but go ahead. <laughs> because in today's world of AI being so prevalent and it's, it's the hot topic, although it's starting to fade a little, I think by end of next year, you know, people will just be so used to it that it's like, oh yeah, another, another AI thing. Right. But I feel like there's going to be a huge bubble of time in the next maybe 10 years where people start to look back and, and realize, wow, a whole lot of people took a whole lot of the human element out of writing, out of information, out of even art that they're using the AI to design these days. So I'm a really big proponent of having that human element in, but talk to me a little bit more about how AI has impacted ghostwriting and writing in general. Yeah. I, I'm not really qualified to speak about that because I don't go to AI for anything and I won't go to AI for anything. The short of it is if I want to write a mediocre book that sounds generic and bland, then I'll call on AI. And otherwise, <laughs> otherwise I'll stick to what I do, which is, which is listen and then, and then write from what I'm hearing. Right. The, the, there's one critical, or there are a few critically important things that AI cannot do today, maybe one day. And, and, and a lot of people who are afraid of AI, they're always afraid of something. They were afraid of something else two years ago and something else five years ago and so on. It's just the latest thing that people latch their fear onto. So right. I, would just, I would just let go of that. AI cannot listen to what you're not quite saying, but you wish somebody would ask you about it. A right. lot of the times, a lot of the times people have really brilliant ideas and they just sort of touch on it and then they keep going because they don't think anybody's going to be interested or they think that what they've said is clear enough. They get it. <laughs> you know, the thing is that AI cannot say, wait a minute, stop, stop, stop. What did you just say? I've written a lot of books in your vertical and I've read even more. And I can tell you that no one is saying what you're saying. Can you elaborate on that? And then all of a sudden that becomes the focus of the chapter. That's the difference between an outstanding ghostwriter and an average one or a machine. So if, you know, if, if, if you're okay having kind of a crappy book out there representing you, uh, you know, if, 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 if you go to meetings with your fly unzipped and, and your shirt tails out, you don't need me because right. AI will write you a book constant with that self-image and that way you project yourself. But if you're really serious and 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 everything about you speaks professionalism and uh, uh, seriousness of purpose, you know you, you got to have a real person who can hear you and who can listen for what you wish you were saying or what you uh, say that's different from anything else that's out there. And that's right. just something a machine can do. How is it that? Because I know a lot of people out there that that have heard of ghostwriters are thinking, well, there's no way somebody's going to be able to write in the same way as me. And because of our history through our upbringing in school, every time we wrote something, I, I'll raise my hand. Every time I wrote something, it was like, well, you need to write it like this and sound like this. And I was like, but that's not how I wanted to say it. Yeah. So how do how do you do that? as a ghostwriter and be able to bring out the way we want to say it, but not necessarily change it to be in some other tone or, or. Yeah. Version. Yeah. The, the short of it is that it's, a, it's it, that what I do is a combination of listening and mimicry or acting, if you will. I'm not writing in your voice. I'm being you. Right. And saying what you would say if I were, if I were you, if I, and not, not if what you should say, but how you speak. And I've got a page on my website uh, if you if if you go to the website, which is michaelevenwrites.com, uh, 
and then you go to click on our work. I have nine different books from nine different clients. I have excerpts, and the clients are business people. They're memoirs. They're sports figures. They are men, women. They're black. They're white. They're Asian. They're old. They're young. And all nine books sound incredibly different one from the other. Why? It's because I'm okay at what I do. I'm good at what I do. And 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 all you have to do is just sort of con compare and contrast the ec the excerpts from those books on that page, and you'll see, wow, this book sounds nothing like that book, and that book sounds just like that celebrity whom I've heard speak on TV. So, you know, the, 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 they say the proof is in the pudding. That's not quite correct. The proof of the pudding is in the tasting. So, so you can come taste the samples <laughs> and, and and see for yourself. So that's that's. I hope that helps. I love that. And I do you do your services and the stuff that your company does include the editing and the post production of it, or is it just the initial? What what happens once? Yeah we agree like, yes, this is what I want in it. Yeah. My final deliverable in, in, you know, within the walls is your manuscript proofread and ready to publish. And then at that point we talk, or at some point along the line, we talk about what are your goals for publishing the book? What do you want to have happen? What does success look like? And the reality is that there are so many, uh, unfortunately, there are so many entities out there, big and small, that take advantage of first-time authors and rip them off mercilessly. Right. And I've been doing this for 35 years. Uh, you may, you know, I'm not a household word, but by the same token, if you look online, there's nothing negative about me. Why? It's because I take it. I take great care of my clients. I bust my butt for them, which is what my mentor Bob told me, as if I needed to be told that. But then we, when we get to the publishing and marketing phases, I know who's great because I've worked with all the lousy ones on the way to finding the great ones, and as a result, I oversee the publishing and marketing. Uh, phases for my clients with the vendors that I really trust and admire because I've worked with them for book after book after book. And I know they're great and I know they deliver what they promise. So, you know, it's one thing to find somebody who's good at one specific thing. It's another thing to find somebody who's good at multiple things. And it's rare. I'm good at getting books done. Other people are good. A few people are, are really good at getting the publishing done and still others at getting the marketing done. I know who they are. I work with them. I'm always talking to new people, looking for new vendors. I know who's great. And I put my clients in the hands of the people who are outstanding at what they do so that the client has a beautifully published and marketed book and not just, you know, here's your manuscript and have a nice day. Right. Right. No, I love that. And, and it's all a complete package. I mean, that's really the essence of, business choreography and why we started this uh adventure with the podcast is because you you have to have an entire choreographed experience not only from the the right or the uh the person with the idea to it being written to being marketed and published and put out there the whole thing is a choreographed experience but even the experience of the client once they get that book and they read it and they have an experience there should be something to back it up like you said with your cpr method there's got to be cash in the pocket and and i think a lot of people get a book and they're like great i have a book and now <laughs> what do i do with it and so i sat that is so great that you help to take care of all of that and put it together and 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 what sounds like a beautifully choreographed uh, piece of work. 
Well, thank you. That's what we aim to provide. And a lot of things on the marketing side, you can do for, uh, you know, really short money. You don't have to hire a, a marketing team or marketing professional uh, to get a book done. For example, you can identify 100 prospects who you, whom you'd love to work with and put a copy of a book and have somebody on your team or hire a college student to put 100 copies of, 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 of your book into 100 envelopes, have you sign them first and write a cover letter, Dear Mr. or Ms. Prospect, you're exactly the kind of person I like to serve and enclose a copy of my book. It addresses the kinds of problems you probably deal with. And if this is of interest, let's talk sincerely. Who, who gets a book in the mail from an author? You know, right. and, and that's under a thousand dollars. So there, right. you know, there are a lot of things you can do with a book for really very little money that right. can get the book out there. So it's not just sort of moldering in the garage, which we we never want to have happen. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I mean, it sounds like such a painless process to go through. For the uh, client, and, it is for me not so much, but yes. Well, <laughs> well we don't care about you. <laughs> we care about you. I don't know why I said that. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, that that's great. That's that's funny, it, it, and I think that's the the truth of the matter. You know, you're you're on the back end doing the labor of it, which you love, and I feel like there's an element of that that we talked about earlier in in the mentorship and being able to leverage somebody that is good at what they do, and I think for all of you guys listening to this right now, you want to be able to leverage somebody that loves it and that gets it and that has done it. And this is a perfect example of being able to do so. And so, Michael, you got to tell us how we can connect with you, how everybody out there listening, because I'm sure you've inspired some people that I, I know if you're in business right now, guys, if you've been listening to this podcast at all, you have thought to yourself, well, I have tons of ideas I could write a book on, but I don't have the time to do that. And so how can they get in touch with you? How can they find you? Sure. Let's talk a little bit more about that. Okay, sure. For starters, my website is Michael Levin, L-E-V-I-N writes, W-R-I-T-E-S dot com, MichaelLevinWrites.com. So you can read all about what I do and who called me the Michael Jordan of ghostwriting and all the other stuff, which is nice. And then if you're interested, uh, you know, you can see the email address and all that is there, but you can also call me and I'm going to, Michael, I'm going to give your listeners my cell number. It's 617 543 3747. I'm going to say it again. It's 617-543-3747. Operators are not standing by. It goes <laughs> to my phone, which is this thing right here. So it. if you call, I will, I'll pick it up and we'll talk. And then that's for ghostwriting. And if you'd like to do the book yourself, uh, you take a look at my bestearningauthor.com website. I have a course called the Best Earning Author Process. And what it does is it teaches business people how to organize, plan, write, rewrite, publish, market, and most of all, monetize their books without having to do anything, including any writing and, uh, and or hiring somebody like me. So Michael Evan writes for ghostwriting. And uh, if, you, if there are any financial advisors or, or insurance professionals, I have a page called advisorghost.com. Uh, it's also on the MLW website, so you can look at that. And otherwise, uh, check out the course or give me a call. That's basically it. Keep it simple. I love it. That's great. Those are some great resources. Make sure you go and uh, check those out if you're interested in writing a book. And I I want to second Michael's statement. Every 
business owner, an entrepreneur, y'all need a book. Y'all need a book. It's it's a it's the truth. It's going to be incredibly helpful. And what better than to go to Michael to help you get it done? So go check out his website. Go check out the resources that he has for you, regardless of the direction you're you're wanting to go writing it yourself, having him do it for you, go check it out. Cause it's going to be amazing. And Michael knows what he's doing. So you got to do it. You got to go check it out. Uh, Michael, before I let you go today, I want you to leave us with some sage words of wisdom uh, before we head out. Wow. That's a big ask for somebody like me, but <laughs> I'll, I'll offer you a thought, something that, that, that just came to mind while we were talking. And that is that the most important thing you can be with your clients or that I can be is proactive. And that means I'm thinking about them all the time. And that specifically means that I email them before they email me to say what's going on. I email them to say, this is what's going on, or I'll pick up the phone and call them. But the most important thing is that people love it when you're proactive and they hate it when they have to feel like they have to control the process and, 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 and push you and where's the work and this and that. So the most important thing, I, I, the most important thing you can be, is one step ahead with your clients instead of one step behind. It's really the difference between being successful and referable, and being somebody that they sort of said, "Well, it was a swing and a miss." So that would be the uh, that may not be uh, you know up there with the Ten Commandments or the Sermon on the Mount, but for business people, I think it's really uh, a critically important uh, behavior. I think that is actually one of the best pieces of choreography you guys could have in your business so i love it guys don't forget uh we'll see you on the next episode but like i said don't forget to keep choreographing your business all parts of your business and until next time we'll see you on the next episode thanks michael take care thanks for joining us today Want more business choreography? Check out our website at bizchoreo.com to find out more. And find out how the choreography for your marketing operations and sales can raise your revenue and create more impact. Remember, every business needs choreography.